0: We don't even have the floor inside the building. It's a four-story. One side has a floor. The other side doesn't have even a floor. Everything broke down. It was a nightmare.
1: Hello, fellow risk-takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss. To keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. To so join me, go to myworstinvestmentever.com and sign up for our free weekly Become a Better Investor newsletter where I share how to reduce risk and create, grow, and protect your wealth. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotz from A Stotts Academy. And I'm here with featured guest, Waratep C. Guru Wan. Waratep, are you ready to join I, the mission?
0: Yes, I'm more than ready.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to have you on the show. And let me now introduce you to the audience. One second. I'm having a little trouble with my. Oh, there it is. As the owner hmm. of Apollo Assets Company Limited, Waratep is a prominent figure in the real estate industry of Thailand. He has established a track record and extensive experience as a visionary leader in this field. His business acumen has enabled Apollo Assets to reach great heights, placing it among leading players in the Thai real estate industry. Having earned a reputation for excellence, innovation, and integrity, Wartep continues to contribute to the growth and development of the Thai real estate market. Wartep, take a minute and tell us about the unique value that you are bringing to this wonderful world.
0: Okay, I would say that my good part is that I never give up in anything. Basically, I was raised in a, I would say I'm, I'm a Thai because I'm the fourth generation in Thailand, but I don't. Doesn't look like one. Hmm. But I speak in Thai. I dream in Thai. I talk with my family in Thai. My great great grandparents actually came from India, which used to be part of India, but today is Pakistan in Gujralwalla. Hmm. They migrated in the year 1946, and then they came to. Thailand to stay here so I was raised in a Indian Thai family I went to a Thai school 100% Thai I didn't go to any international school so basically to be like me in a Thai school it's quite tough because (laughs) I don't look like anyone in the school back in the the 80s or in the 90s so I would say that I'm quite tough that I can make through that and I even went to the, the Thai soldier for three years. With this turban, mm. keep my hair on, put it on, on the green wrap, and then uh, join the mini soldier for three years, which normally it's a must in a high school, mm. during high school. It was a tough training, not easy for me to have this, and uh, I make through it. So I would say that I'm tough.
1: That's, <laughs> that's great. The good part. And that's, you know, there's a lot of adversity that we all face, particularly in our youth. I mean, when I look back at, there was a kid that I, used to that was a gay kid in our high school and I was just a dumb guy and I just made fun of him because Mm -hmm, he was gay mm -hmm. and I just remember like the cruelty of being young and later that guy and I connected on Facebook many years later and Mm -hmm. he the first thing he said to me he said you were really mean to me when I was young.
0: (laughs) I and I just that. said
1: to him, I said, you know, you're absolutely right. And I am sorry for that. And mm-hmm. actually, we got a chance when I made a trip back to the US. I went to LA mm-hmm. and we got together. And Jeff and I mm-hmm. had a nice meal together. And I sincerely mm-hmm. apologize because you just, mm-hmm. you know, when we're young, you know, it's just like, it's awful. And when yeah. you face, you know, when you're different or you look different or you come from a different background, mm-hmm. it's a whole challenge that, you know, that you got to overcome. But you've overcome it to become a very resilient guy. And to be in the Thai property industry, you've got to be pretty darn resilient because there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of upstarts coming in. There's a lot of really powerful, huge players. I'm just curious, maybe you can just give us some picture of what does the Thai Thai industry look like to you? How how would you describe it for someone, let's say in the US that only knows the real estate industry, let's say in the US? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so basically we have a law here in Thailand that only a Thai can own lands, houses, something like that. Foreigner can own only condominiums. So for me as a Thai, I can buy a land, develop, and then sell to the third party, whether it's a Thai or a foreigner. In the condominium law, I make it very simple to understand in the law, in the hopes so of 100 units, it can be owned. Forty nine units only. Another has to be owned by a Thai. So that's the only investment that legal in Thailand right now. If you are a foreigner and you would like to invest in Thailand, condominium is the only option. Otherwise, then you have to have a choice in the leasehold property. Which in Thailand the law is thirty years leasehold. So it's a quite short period of time in terms of investment. But still, there are so many interesting projects and they offer you thirty plus thirty or plus another thirty also that's also another option for foreigners to come and invest
1: here. And how do you view the Thai real estate industry nowadays? I mean, I came to Thailand in 1992 and the real estate industry was, it was all pretty much landed houses. That was it. And mm-hmm. then that was the big company that everybody watched. And then companies like Asian property came up and LPN came up and other ones started coming up. I'm just curious, like how would you describe what's the competitive landscape of the industry right now in Thailand? I do
0: believe that we are quite popular with other Asian countries, I would say in India and uh, China, both countries, they play a major role in the tourism in our country. So by all means, if there's no COVID situation, we would expect it maybe 40 to 50 million travelers per year. That's why the real estate, in a very CBD of Bangkok, the price has been increasing dramatically from the last past couple of years. It was during the COVID time, three years something ago. But I think right now, the land price has been increasing a lot. And to develop a project in a very inner CBD of Bangkok, it's very hard to find a decent land price that you can still develop something that's still viable. I would say that. So I think right now, many developers would turn into landed property to do housing a bit off Bangkok maybe near to the BTS New Line, something like that. And right now, the area towards Suwanupoom in Bangna area has become very popular, very, mm. very popular. The price of the land in that area has been increasing a lot because there's an international school in the area, there's international hospital in the area, there's an airport, of course. And it's just 20 minutes from that area to CBD of Bangkok by expressway, if no traffic. (laughs) (laughs) So I would say that with COVID thing, people would keen more on single houses rather than sharing in a large building. That's what Mm. I saw. Large buildings still make quite good selling because, of course, many people still would like to be in the city. Mm. But more would consider to buy landed property because you get a house, you get a land, you can have a dog or a cat, maybe both, maybe a lot of them. And many people start working from home. They are working through YouTube channel. They are selling stuff online. They can live on the second floor, on the ground floor, can be their own office, the studio, something like that. So we see new entrepreneurs become more independent. Mm. So that's why the housing development and housing sales last year and this year has been increasing maybe 20, 30%.
1: And what is the interest rate nowadays if, if a person is getting a loan, let's say a Thai person goes to a Thai bank to get a loan for a house that's you know a moderate priced house in a suburb, let's say. What do you think that they're paying for their interest for that?
0: Okay, maybe the listener in the US might be shocked because mm-hmm. our interest is quite on the high side. So if you're a good client, you have a decent bank statement, you have a solid job, you get paid maybe 40, fifty thousand or sixty thousand a month, you might be able to achieve about three to four percent per annum mm-hmm. for the first three years. and then after that it depends on the promotion of each bank. If your bank statement wasn't that healthy, the loan would be somewhere between six to eight percent. And if your statement is very not healthy, you can go to the non bank which will be from 10
1: to 12%. right
0: people still take the loan right really even yeah. the interest is very high yeah.
1: one of the things that thailand doesn't have just like most countries around the world doesn't have a secondary market in in mortgages unlike in the us where any bank can sell its mortgages to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, then they don't have to worry as much about the quality of it. They can just sell Mm -hmm. it. Whereas for (laughs) Thai bank, when they put that loan on the books, Mm -hmm. it's not going to go off the books until something's done with that particular borrower. So it's fascinating. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it, then tell us your story.
0: Okay. I started my real estate business in the year 2007 as a family family business. We were in a textile business for over 30 years. I have my passion with real estate since I was 14. So I was running around the construction site that my dad built a high-rise office building in the year 1994. So I only have my, how can I say, my vision that one day I'm going to be a real estate developer since a kid. Apart from that, I want to be a doctor, but it didn't go through. So (laughs) I'm a real developer. In the year 2000 and about 2016, 2017, about 10 years later, after I already built about seven projects, three condominiums altogether, about 400 units, one high-rise hotel on main street road, 255 keys, about 16,000 square meter size on the main road. I thought that I have quite good, knowledge Hmm. because i've been through big big projects billions of baths and all i thought that i'm i'm cool that if any property came to me i just i'm gonna be sure that it's the right one definitely i saw an opportunity in chiang mai on the northern part of thailand chiang mai has played a big role with the chinese tourism because it's very near for them to come and a lot of them came to chiang mai to invest buying a farm buying a land doing the company registration with the Thai partner to buy the land and develop houses, develop condominiums, mm-hmm. something like that. I have an opportunity to buy two commercial shop houses on the main road, just two minutes away from Niman Hemin area. Niman Hemin area is a, one of the CBD in Chiang Mai. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was a bank property. The bank that I know, they offer me I saw the valuation price. I saw the location. I used Google map to see everything nearby. I use my knowledge about Chiang Mai. I have a friend in Chiang Mai. I did a lot of homework, even though it's not a huge amount of money, but it's an investment. So for me, every investment has to, I did all the checklists, everything. Market valuation for that shop houses was 400,000 US dollar, two shop houses about roughly 800 square meter size the building mm. four story with a rooftop nicely can be converted into a nice boutique hotel or maybe a nice office or a nice restaurant the bank offered me at 300000 us dollar so it's 100000 us dollar cheaper than market value market valuation in that time so i told the bank that if i can get at 200000 maybe i'm interested because it's a non performing asset so I just throw my number that, okay, with 200,000, I'll keep. Provide me the loan too. Mm. Okay. So, and they were laughing. And then about two, three months later, maybe they want to just get rid of this property. They called me up. They said that we would like to offer you the property at 200,000 US dollar. You just pay us 1% at 2000 US dollars, and we'll provide you the loan for the property for another eight years. It seems too good to be true. the deal. Just 2000 US dollar on day one. Then I paid to them, I about 2500 US dollar with principal and interest per mm. month, monthly throughout the contract. Wow, it's a good deal. I can just maybe put the sign on the building and I can get maybe $1,500 US dollar per month as an advertisement board. Yeah, on the building itself, I can rent out to anyone getting maybe... 2,500 US dollar per month. So my cash flow would be somewhere between 4,000 US dollar per month. Paid to the bank, 2005, I have 1,500 US dollar every month. So it's a very good deal. I did all the calculation, I did everything. Then I proceed in acquiring the property with paying only 2,000 US dollar. Okay. So in the year 2000, since the year 2017, for six months, I put a sign for rent, for sale, for advertisement, for anything, maybe about two people call per month, something like that. So it surprised me because I'm on a very decent location. I'm on a, how can I say, nearby me is also a bank. There are shops, there are hotels and all university in the right location. Something must be wrong with the building. This is the only property in my life that I bought and I didn't even go to see. Mm. I asked my team to do the power of authorize to do the transfer that I did for me. So I didn't even go to see the property because the valuation was four hundred thousand and I bought it 50% off. So I I don't think much. And uh, with the $2,000 uh, only, that pay on the first day and then the rest two thousand five monthly, I thought I can, at least the word side will be two thousand five monthly from the rent. Mm. I'll survive with that. Okay. 2017 passed by, 2018, 2019, it's two years already. I've been paying about 30000 per year, US dollar.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: How that, so two years already. Then something must be wrong with the building, definitely. People call maybe the second year, about maybe five, six calls per week. A lot of people keep calling, asking the price, this and that. Then I decided in the year 2020 that I have to do something. It was about COVID hit us. We closed the airport in March, I think, 2020, Mm. if I don't misremembering. I went to Chiang Mai in in Jan, 2020. Then I went to the building, and now I understand why. (laughs) We were on the the intersection of the red light, green light intersection. Very fast car drive by the building. Nobody going to see the building. Whatever sign I put on the building, nobody would see. The person who sees is the one across the road. That's all. Nobody sees me. I don't have any car parked in front of my building because they don't allow to park the car in front. Buildings are mm. old. It's okay. I know that they want because I saw the picture inside. But when I walk mm. inside the building, it's 100 times worse than the picture I saw from the bank. I didn't know that the bank would use the picture maybe 20 years ago or something like that. I don't know. But to me, I, I didn't look much because I know I have to do the renovation anyway. Mm. But it was worse than that. We don't even have the floor inside the building. It's a 4 story. One side has a floor. The other side doesn't have even a floor. Everything broke down. It was a nightmare, the building. Okay, now I understand why that is still here. People came to have a look. I left the key with the person nearby to show them, and everybody mm. ran away from the building. Now I understand why. Okay. So I have to decide what I'm going to do. I have to do the renovation to do something with it, or I have to cut and then lose it. Because Mm. I have a bad feeling that it will be here with me in a long time. Then March came, COVID came. It hit us in the real estate market badly. Everything that hasn't performed rental is a very bad situation. Everything that performed rental, not paying rental also. People used to pay rent at maybe, let's say, 100 they would pay maybe 20, 30, 40 because they lost their job. They lose many things. They have to continue life. They cannot do anything, cannot go out to work. So in the year 2021, I have decided to get loose of this thing. I don't want to pay 2005 to the bank anymore. So I flew there. I went to the building next door, the owner. I went to talk to them, both mother and son. Told them that, look, I bought the building at this price. It's been with me since uh, 2017. You saw it. You call me to cut some trees. You call me when there's noise, cracking, whatever it is. I really don't know what to do with the building. I mean, Bangkok, I don't have, Mm. I don't know what to do there. So would you like to buy it? He said, okay, of course. They own about 10 buildings nearby. They don't mind acquiring this one. They pay me 150,000 US dollars for the building. So I told them that you know my buying price. I'm here to ask for 250,000 US dollar. You know the market value. I know you know my buying price but I have to get something, you know, and I've been paying interest, I've been carrying whatever it is anyhow. They said that look, I'll give you the price you bought at 200,000. I said look, I need another 20,000 US dollar. They asked me why. I said at least I have a feeling that I didn't lose, so I cut loss. It's a lose whether I sold it at two hundred thousand or two hundred twenty. It's a loss, big mm-hmm. loss anyway, because that money I could have do something else. Yeah. I could have put on any other investment. I could have get something, but, but it's a MBA degree for me with my experience that to buy something. If you didn't walk through it, you didn't touch it. You didn't do a lot of homework. I did. I thought I did a lot of homework already, but I didn't go inside the building. I didn't stand there and see the car pass by. I didn't. It's a big loss in my business, whether it's not a big amount comparing to other yeah. laws or anything, but it's something that it ring a bell to me.
1: Mm-hmm. That
0: if anyone hear the story that I'm sharing, if you're thinking about buying anything, whether it's cheap or expensive or anything, please go there, stand there and have a look. Don't judge the book by the cover. That's what I I learned.
1: That's great. Great advice, you know, at the end. And it makes me think of two things. One thing that my mother said to me and used to say a lot. And one thing that my sister said to me, my mother always used to say, and she still does. She doesn't say it that much anymore. But she says, just because it's cheap doesn't mean you have to buy it. (laughs) Yep. And that was really helpful throughout my life to realize <laughs> that there's a lot of cheap things around and there's going to be a lot of deals, but that doesn't mean you have to buy it. So that's the first yep. thing. Also, you're familiar with Sukhumvit Soy 10, the soy that mm-hmm. goes down into the park and into the, can walk over to Lumpini Park from there. Yep. Many years ago, I was walking from my apartment, which is on Soy 12. And I was walking down that soy every day to go to the park to exercise, and I saw a condo being built. And I thought, I like that. That's a nice condo. It was by a property developed that I I knew, and I thought they're pretty good. And it's on the soy that goes right into this park. And I just thought that's valuable. So I decided to buy it, even though it hadn't been built yet, but it was in the process. So I bought it. Mm -hmm. I bought a unit, and I didn't see it because it wasn't built But Mm -hmm. what happened to me is that when I got it, I realized that, first of all, it was half the size of the apartment that I live in now that I've been living in. And I realized, like, I don't want to live in a smaller place. And then it just wasn't, I wasn't interested in it. And my sister said to me, you know, that the rule of thumb with real estate is that you got to walk into a place. Now, I couldn't walk in because it wasn't constructed, but she said, you got to walk Mm -hmm. into a place and say, I want to live here. Mm -hmm. I want to work here. Mm -hmm. that's what you need. And that's part of the importance of walking into something to be able to say, no, no, this is wrong or this is right. And this is not me. yeah. Yeah. And so I can imagine that in Bangkok, you probably do that with everything. But, you know, when you go outside and, you know, all that. And also the last thing is that I think you always have to be very careful with banks. I bought a piece of property from a bank, but only because I just went to that particular town and i had one of my tie staff go and talk to a bunch of the banks to find out if they had any any available property the type that i was looking for and by chance it worked out really well they didn't own it yet they were trying to get the prior owner to mm-hmm. pay them back and so they said if we can arrange this deal they'll get mm-hmm. money that they can then pay us back yeah. but generally banks can be pretty savvy when it comes to uh, property <laughs> anything you would add to my observations there
0: i think It's not bank's business, if you ask me. The bank's business is to make money out of interest. So when it comes to the time that the bank has to forfeit the the property, if they have to go according to the plan, they have to go to the legal department, it will take maybe two years, three years for the auction. It takes a bit of time. So if, like you say, that if there's a a deal that it's about to be in an issue or in a problem, If you can go to the bank, negotiate out, maybe you can get something good out of that. But mm-hmm. like I'd advise, like you also know that you have to be there. Yeah. Friendly speaking, if you don't have a team, the proper team to run, to do something with that, I think you should be there. It's the yep. most safe, yes because you are the one who decided whether it's going to be good, it's going to be bad. So you don't blame yourself at the end of the day.
1: So let me ask yep. you, what's what's a resource that you'd recommend or an activity or whatever that you'd recommend for our listeners?
0: In terms of looking at the distress asset?
1: Well, I think in this case, I'm thinking about something you and I talked before about your daily habit of exercise. I think that's Ah, a great... okay, sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that the most important investment that I it's not according to the podcast today, but I would mm. add in the resource that I believe that my most investment that I'm very happy with is to invest in myself. Mm. In terms of that, I exercise daily, every day. If I don't have time, I would just say, fine, maybe 30, 40 minutes, 20 minutes before going to bed, doing some exercise on the YouTube or something like that. But mainly if I have time, I walk and run every day. Not running every day, maybe running three to four times per week, five to 10K, something like that. And I walk daily. So I do believe that if you have a habit in taking care of yourself, In a good way, maybe you like to ride a bike or you like to do yoga or you like to do pilates, or of anything. My mom told me when I was young that the sweats are something bad inside of you. So if you can get it out, you have a better mood and you're being happier. And I think I got a lot of work done at the park. (laughs) I would say that because when I was walking and I was running, it just slipped into my head. Until today, I also carry this mini recorder mm. in my pocket. Every time I have any any idea, I would just grab it and then record it. Because if I grab my phone and the phone rings, and then I cannot record it. So that's why I use the mini recorder. Yeah,
1: That's interesting. I used to use a software called Uprec, where I just press a button and I speak it on my phone and then it puts it into an audio file on my computer. But Oh, that- nice. You know, I got the idea of this podcast, Walking at the Park. Oh, and <laughs> That's and a good I, thing. I have a park, the Kitty Park right near me here in, Thailand, in Bangkok. And the thing is, is that it's amazing. I mean, I've, I've been an equity analyst all my life. And a lot of young people that I've taught over the years, they want to learn Excel and they want to sit at a desk. And I just like, mm-hmm. your best ideas are never going to come from your desk. They're going to come from talking to other people or mm-hmm. thinking things through. Or sometimes sleeping. I have many, many times that I've written research where I get stuck at a point and I just go to bed. And it's amazing. You have a good night's sleep and you wake up the next morning and it's like I can either have a new idea or I can have the energy to restructure Mm. this particular research. I have some research I've just recently written about a 200-page paper on global asset allocation and investment global politics and what's happening and it's been about two or three weeks of writing every day but yeah there's plenty of times that you know going to the park exercising i have some good equipment at my apartment because i i have my mom she exercises she lives mm-hmm. with me and so the mm-hmm. other day i was amazing. on the elliptical machine in the living room <laughs> and she was on the bicycle pedaling <laughs> and i thought okay that's good that's good so that's for amazing. everybody out there exercise it's such a great yep. thing now great. let me awesome. ask you Last question, What's your number one goal for the next twelve months? <laughs> my number one goal,
0: I would say, I want to run a half marathon twenty one k. So it's nothing about the work, nothing about anything because I do have my my list of the goal here every three months. Mm-hmm. I note down about thirteen to fifteen goals every three months. If I cannot be any close to that one, I'll just cross it, find a new goal. That's how I do. I've been doing since two thousand and 17 actually from the day in the year, the same year Mm. I I did the bad investment. Anyhow, I would say that my number one goal is taking more care of myself and then uh, be able to run half marathon because my most farthest that I have tried is about 15K and it consumes a bit of time. And I don't like waking up at four or 5 a.m. to go for a run. I'm very happy to wake up at maybe six or seven or maybe even eight to go for a run. If I have to drop my kids, I'll drop my kids at school at 7.30. Mm. Then I go for a run from 8 and I'll be back home about 10, something yeah. like that. Then I go to work. But the weather is quite hot. Then yeah. the heart rate is racing when it's sunny day. Yeah. So if you want to run maybe 20K, you have to wake up at 3.30, 4, something like that and do it. <laughs> so I'm not ready to to do like that yet. But I hope that my number one goal this year that I would complete a 21K half marathon.
1: That's fantastic. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. As we conclude, Waratep, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning (laughs) your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment Do you have any parting words for the audience? Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well, Fellow risk takers, let's celebrate that today we added one more person to our mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.